Welcome back into Car Radio. You're on 910 AM, the Superstation. We are broadcasting live today from Mostport Racetrack in Bowmanville, Ontario. I'm racing my uh, Lola 90 race car up here. Fabulous track. One of the great tracks in North America. Weather is beautiful, not a cloud in the sky. Looking forward to my second race of the day at 4 o'clock later today in a very competitive Sport 2000 uh, race field. Um, but uh, before I go back on track, we want to bring you a, a great second hour of the program. We've been talking the first hour about Ford Motor Company and Ford uh, celebrating 120 years um, this week uh, it, uh, in business um, since its founding in 1903 and also uh, how essential motor racing has been to that brand's uh, history. Uh, hearing from Mark Rushbrook in the last hour about Ford rolling out a racing version of its Bronco SUV, for goodness sake. So uh, Ford uh, obviously is still uh, very uh, enthused about racing and what that communicates to the customer about its engineering, uh, about its uh, marketing as a performance brand. General Motors, uh, which has a very different founding uh, history, very different history than the family-owned Ford Motor Company, but also uh, very, uh, very much into auto racing. Of course, uh, uh, Chevrolet is one of the two engines used in IndyCar racing today, uh, uh, North America's uh, fastest form of open-wheel uh, motorsport, and uh, uh, and and that um, the, the brands under General Motors. Uh, have also expanded into uh, sports car racing. Uh, so uh, we're going to be hearing a little later this afternoon from uh, Laura Clouser, who is the head of sports car racing for General Motors, about the Cadillac and Chevy programs that went to Le Mans this year. So uh, uh, we'll, we'll get to Laura soon. But first, I wanted to start the hour uh, just talking about the core business of Chevrolet. Uh, here is Steve Majoros marketing chief for Chevy, talking about their all-new entry-level Chevy tracks, fascinating uh, little vehicle, uh, and I sat down to talk with him. All right, this is Henry Payne with 910 AM, the Superstation and Detroit News, and I'm down in the paddock for the Detroit Grand Prix. We're about three weeks out for this spectacular race, bringing the Detroit Grand Prix back to downtown Detroit from uh, Belle Isle. Very exciting to be here in the shadow of the Rensen, and we're joined by Austin Green, who is a Trans Am driver. So there, you, you'll not only have uh, the IndyCar uh, boys racing here, uh, on June 2nd through 4th. You also have the big V8s from the Trans Am guys. Austin Green is with the number 89 Camaro in the TA2 series. Austin, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Uh, uh, kind of cool to be down here, isn't it? Right in the middle of uh, Detroit and see all this uh, development around uh, around us. What do, what do you think about bringing Trans Am to Motor City? Yeah, I think it's um, you know it's really good f uh, publicity for our series and and all the drivers. Um, you know, it's the first inaugural race, so uh, it's new for everybody, and uh, it's my first time on a street course, so it's going to be a challenge of a weekend, but. Um, 
I think it's going to be technical, and, uh, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of action you don't want to miss. <laughs> a lot of walls in these uh, street street courses. I, I was talking to Kyle Kirkwood uh, earlier this morning. They're the Indy guys are. All right, this is Henry Payne with 910 AM, the Superstation in Asheville, North Carolina, driving small cars. I love small cars. I'm, I'm six foot five inches tall, and I like small cars. I'm with uh, Steve Majoros. It's always fun to talk to. He's marketing chief uh, for Chevrolet. And Steve, you like small cars? Uh, I do, as a matter of fact. I, I like. We love all our children equally, but we're talking about uh, tracks today. It's uh it's a pretty dynamic package, and you know, when you think about the marketplace today, we think it's a, it's the right fit for where the consumer's at in a number of different dimensions, and we feel we feel excited about this product. Yeah. So, so when I first uh, uh, got into this uh, business of reviewing cars, the entry level uh, Chevrolet was a Chevrolet Spark, a uh, cute, cute little thing. I actually fit in it. Um, you don't offer that anymore. You don't offer the Sonic, which was the next uh, sedan above that. This is your entry level vehicle. Uh, just talk about that. How, how do you how do you get people into into your cars uh, now with an entry level SUV starting at twenty one thousand as opposed to whatever the Spark started at sixteen thousand? Yeah. Well, I'd say a couple things. One, you know, it's interesting, Henry. When when we're portfolio planning and we're going through you know all the things that we do, you know, if you look back three four years ago, and Chevrolet made very strategic decisions to take what were lower volume, lower running products like Sonic and Spark. And of course, the cruise was a very successful product for us. And you know, it's it's uh, when you make the announcements of discontinued models, and you're unable at the time to really talk about the replacement strategy. People think that you know, you've lost your mind a little bit. Like, what's happened to Chevrolet? You're supposed to be the volume brand. You're supposed to cover market segments, market entry points, uh, provide that customer value, etc. Uh, but we hadn't lost our mind. We knew all along what we were going to do. We knew this product was coming, and we knew the tracks that we have today was going to partially fill that segment. But really. Uh, uh, the one-two punch between this new tracks uh, and the Trailblazer is really uh, where we're going to we're going to go after volume. And so when you think about um, having what was essentially you know three vehicles covering a pretty wide band to now down to really one here, especially at that lower end, it's a more efficient strategy. It's a global strategy. It's a great car for the U.S. Is it more expensive than a Spark or a Sonic was? Absolutely, but those were really different kinds of product propositions. weren't going to sell in the sort of volume that we expect this product to sell in. And I think as the market has just kind of picked up and, and moved north, I mean, we see transaction prices moving up, et cetera. But Chevrolet is always going to play our role to provide that value of what customers are looking for. We have not abandoned uh, what we call the lower end of the market. We haven't abandoned uh, making sure that we can give all customers the ability to get into a, a great new vehicle. And when you think about what we're able to offer here, as far as standard safety content, um, a really attractive design, great technology. Um, we think it's going to be a winning combination. And, and you know, and, and, and uh, when you, if you get a customer into a car and they like the car, the brand, they'll stick with you. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, 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 if they get into a Chevy Trax and say, wow, this is a great car, and next, next vehicle I'm going to buy is an Equinox, and next one I'm going to buy after that is a Suburban, you know, as they move up the, the uh, family tree, that first car is really key. So, uh, yeah, take us into the mind of the customer then. If the, if the customer uh, only has $15,000 to spend, they show up at a Chevy lot, they say, oh, you don't have anything for $15,000. There's a $21,000 Trax. Does a dealer then try to sell them a used 
tracks? Well, I, I, there's a lot of dynamics about new and used, and, and frankly, customer expectations. I mean, look, the uh, you know the reality of, of, of the financial pressure. You know, we don't uh, um, take that issue lightly for customers. Inflation, gas prices, economic uncertainty, etc. We always want to be that value provider. And, and if you think about it, you know, there aren't many vehicles under twenty thousand these days. If you are a customer, that um, I think there's a distinction between the MSRP of a vehicle and what your monthly payment would be. And frankly, most customers, especially at this price point, are really concerned about monthly budgeting, you know, housing and food and clothing and this and all the things you need to do to, to live your life. Where does a vehicle fit in with that and how much can you afford? And the beauty of this new product is with a starting price around 21.5, extremely high residual values, which is another statement of confidence in the product itself. You know, it's really about what can a customer afford? You know, and back to your point about customers, get them and grow them. That's a, a very, very much a strategy for, for all of us. Uh, you know, the, the, the uh, cost of acquisition of a new customer versus retention is much greater. And so from an efficiency standpoint, uh, to, to get customers in and to keep them in the family, that's kind of Chevrolet's role. And we do a great job of getting people into Chevrolet, growing them in Chevrolet. And frankly, you know, we don't, I'd rather hand someone off to Buick GMC or Cadillac than have them leave the General Motors portfolio. So uh, we want to keep people conducting business with Chevrolet and General Motors, and this is a great entry point. But there's a flip side target to this product, too. And so, um, you know, it's it's romantic to say, oh, these are for young dreamers who are starting their lives. And, and it is. You know, but there's a there's a bit of an undiscovered segment here. It's a bit of a bimodal target for us. Think about people who perhaps had graduated through those products. Maybe they started with a, a cruise or a cobalt or you know some vehicle from our history, and they migrated through as they started a family or did whatever they did. But as time goes by, you know, we all those of us have kids. No, your kids come along, they disrupt your life for 18 years, and then they move on, and then you're like, I don't need a three row. You know, mid SUV anymore. I don't need a suburban. I like those products. Um, there's a lot of people who are empty nesters, who are adding to their vehicle fleet, need a second vehicle. That uh, this package really offers a, a great uh, alternative for those folks, and, and we're going to see that play out because the data plays out very clearly. If you take you know a three row tra- you know Traverse or a two row Blazer, a suburban, you can throw a dart at that target pretty good as far as age and presence of children and household income. A vehicle like this really spans the waterfront because its use case is so flexible. You get people who are coming in, and you get people who are transitioning through different vehicle needs. And so it's another reason why we're really bullish on the kind of volume we think we're going to do with this product. Yeah, and yeah it's interesting, too, you say that, that this is uh, potentially a vehicle that somebody uh, who's owned a bigger car comes into because there's a lot of halo in this car. The Blazer uh, has, has sort of been a halo uh, design car for you. This looks like a mini Blazer. Well, I mean, the one thing we like to add, First of all, you know, Phil Zach, Mike Simcoe, the design team that the what they've handed Chevrolet, what our engineers and so these are these are phenomenal products, and we're super proud to be able to represent them and, and sell them. Um, the thing about our design statement, if you just look at, you know, we use terms like lean muscularity and high high eyebrow DRLs. There's statements about the design philosophy, but what every Chevrolet vehicle is not is a Russian doll. They're not just carbon copies, you know, either reduced or increased in 8% increments. So each of them has their own little design personality, but you look at it, it is very much a Chevrolet. Uh, I think our design language is, is very different and striking in the marketplace. Uh, I think that's 
also a function of we talked earlier a little bit about the globalization of the brand. You know, we're sourcing designs from Korea and, and many different places, West Coast. And so to have your finger on the pulse of, of outstanding design, uh, both interior and exterior, uh, but we want each one to, to stand on its own. And I think they do that. But you can't not look at them as a family and say they all feel like Chevrolet. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's really a good looking uh, vehicle. It's uh it's quite a bit bigger uh, than before, uh, which which goes to your point about satisfying multiple demographics that are going to come into this thing. I'm, I'm a big guy, and I can sit behind myself uh, easily in this car. The, the other thing that's striking, I mean, it's striking in every vehicle you get into these days, is how much more technology there is in this car. A $21,000 car when you get into it. I mean, you've got this sort of twin screen uh, that, that uh, spills across the dash in the base car. I, I think the base car has wireless Apple CarPlay or maybe yeah I mean that's for, for, for young folks who live by their phones yeah. that's a big deal yeah well uh, you know again um there's technology for technology's sake, and then there's technology that simplifies people's lives. And I think that's one of the interesting things about, about Chevrolet is we're going to try to provide customers the things that they know, love, and need. Make it intuitive. Make it easy. Um, let's not overcomplicate things. And part of that technology is, yes, uh, interface technology. So wireless, you know, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, uh, wireless charging. Uh, to your point, uh, when you step up just one level off the base, you get the 8-inch uh, DIC and the 11-inch screen, uh, fully reconfigurable. You can personalize those. But again, they're simple and they're elegant. Um, so if we can make lives people, uh, make people's lives easier uh, and make people's lives safer, standard Chevy safety assist, so all that forward-facing content, so automatic emergency braking and lane keep assist, lane departure warning, pedestrian detection, uh, these are almost just expectations, but I think Chevrolet's been doing a great job. We are a pioneer in infotainment systems. We are a pioneer in safety assist. Um, those sorts of things matter to customers. And kind of back to your point about customers and monthly payments, et cetera. If you can look at a vehicle like that and you can say, maybe I can stretch, you know, X dollars a month because, boy, the difference between a four-year-old used car and this vehicle might not be much financially. But think about all the things that you're getting. You know, the, the thing about a car, um, you know, they're not just appliances, right? I always joke. I'm like, you know, you better like the car you buy because it's like wearing the same clothes for the next, you know, every day for the next whatever, three, four, five, six, eight years, right? So uh, there is a, a sense of desire and there is a sense that people want to feel proud of what they're driving. And uh, not in a flashy, ostentatious way, but there's nothing wrong with a sense of accomplishment and feeling good about what you're doing and what you're driving, and I think Chevrolet can do that without uh, kind of overreaching, and, and we're not going to position ourselves to be, you know, just some ostentatious brand, but I think there's a real sense of who these customers are, and there's a little sense of, I deserve this, and there's nothing wrong with that. Balance of Nature's Fruits and Vegetables in a Capsule. Changing the world, one life at a time. I had no energy for months and months and months. I had no energy, and I'm a very active person. And my husband was noticing that I was tired all the time, and I was slow at everything that I was doing. And I kept listening to the commercials. And, you know, you don't know if something's going to help you or not. But I decided this was something I was going to do. And lo and behold, in about four days to taking them, I was repotting plants. I was doing other things. My husband said to me, you seem to have more energy. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm fine. And I'm telling you, nothing has ever made 
such a difference. So anyway, I'm very happy. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code RADIO5. WADL gets a facelift and is now My 38 Detroit. Along with a facelift comes new programming on Mondays at 8 p.m. Catch a two-hour block of Law & Order SVU. Tuesday, Chicago Fire. Wednesdays, Dateline. More Dateline and Chicago PD on Thursdays and on Fridays. You'll get more Chicago PD to start your weekend. We'll still have some of your favorite shows like Mom, Blackish, and Friends. Just adding more for you to enjoy on My 38. The Word Network has been broadcasting inspirational messages around the world since the year 2000. And we keep getting bigger and better and more innovative. Seen all around the world, we bring you the best teaching, impartation, singing, and inspiration. If you want original programming, we have that too. The Word Network is your exclusive source for all things inspiration. And we can be found on every device imaginable. If you want to be uplifted and inspired, you need The Word Network. My38 is offering a great special that cannot be refused. Are you looking for a great deal on TV advertising? Are you searching for an avenue to get your business name out to the public? With My38, we are offering a great special with 100 commercial ads for a great price. This offers for a 30-day ad placement. Please contact Devin C. for more information at 248-357-4566 or email at e.c. A-L-H-O-U-N at thewordnetwork.org. This excludes political ads. Have you thought about advertising your business on our 9, 10 a.m. Superstation? Our audience is bigger than ever, and your investment will be lower than ever. Find out how you can grow your business. Give us a call during business hours and ask for Henry, 248-357-4566. We will tell your story, and more folks than ever before will come to your door. 248-357-4566. Ask for Henry. The super audience at our 910 Superstation wants to hear about you. Call now. Beside me at the wheel. I stole a kiss at the turn of a mile. My curiosity running wild. Cruising and playing the radio. With no particular place to go. Riding along in my automobile. All right, welcome back into Car Radio. You're on 910 AM. The Superstation, we're broadcasting live today from most port. Racetrack in Bowmanville, Ontario, where I'm uh, having fun racing my Lola. And uh, we're joined by Laura Clouser, who is chief of General Motors Sports Car uh, Racing. And, uh, Laura, you guys are uh, going to be coming here to most port in a little while, aren't you? Yeah, we will be there. Um, I think it's the second week in July, so coming up really soon. Yeah, really excited about that. We, uh, I, love this, uh, I love this racetrack. And uh, everybody, of course, uh, benchmarks to uh, the IMSA cars when they come here. They're the quickest cars that run around this track uh, during the uh, year. It's, it's such a such a challenging uh, track, but I, I think it's uh, when you guys come here with the Cadillac uh, prototypes. Um, uh, legend has it that your your drivers don't lift from. The last turn, all the way in turn two or turn three. Does that sound about right? 
I mean, that's a good question. I actually have never talked to our drivers about that specifically, but I know that we do. Um, it's probably one of the fastest tracks that we go to. Uh, a very, very high. I mean, we have speed to Daytona, of course, but in terms of like a regular road course, uh, Canada is always the one that they say that, you know, that's a big one where you can have uh, a lot of reward if you're willing to be risky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just a it's a fabulous track. We we love racing here in our two liter sports cars, and uh, and we're just in awe of the of the uh, speeds that the IMSA Cadillacs and and Corvettes uh, doing uh, do around this place. Uh, but of course, you guys uh, are, are before you uh, get to Mostport here in uh, July. You guys are cele- celebrating a tremendous uh, June uh, across the pond in Le Mans, France. Uh, General Motors was, was really out in force this year at uh, the 24 Hours of Le Mans. I mean, I, I, I bet you could have hear, heard the V8s, the, the, the uh, uh, GM V8s going around Le Mans all the way in Paris. Yeah, they really did sound great. And, and what was cool is when you, you know, were sitting in one of the buildings, maybe not right alongside the track, you could hear it echoing off of the grandstands, and you could tell which one was going by. They each had their own little distinct note. Yeah, that, uh, uh, General Motors, uh, uh, of course, uh, brought NASCAR to uh, to the European masses uh, with with a uh, Camaro, a special entry, a so-called Garage 56 uh, entry, and then, um, and then in the sports car uh, classes, uh, Laura uh, Clouser was managing the uh, the Cadillac and uh, Corvette uh, programs that, that really did well. And, and uh, 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 Laura, I want to start with Cadillac because it was so exciting uh, to see that brand uh, back at Le Mans uh, this year. The uh, the, the uh, prototype class has been reborn as a hypercar. Class Cadillac hasn't been at Le Mans since 2003, I believe. Uh, that must must just have been a, a, a tremendous moment for you to see those uh, cars going around that great track. Yeah, it was really exciting. I mean, it's it's been 20 years since we had been to Le Mans with Cadillac, and to uh, have that opportunity to come back and to feel very confident in the hardware that we brought over with us, the people that are supporting it. Uh, knowing that we could get in there and, and really give that race a run for its money. And, and I'd say being able to land on the third step of the podium amongst the best in the world in sports car racing, we're extremely proud of everything that we did. So so uh, the Cadillac has obviously been winning over here in North America uh, for some time. And uh, uh, I think it's got uh, two or three championships uh, 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 racked up here in recent years in the IMSA series. Uh, and so there's a bit of an evolution from IMSA racing here to going international, uh, racing. But, uh, t- talk about that. Why, why now? What, what, why, why is this moment so pregnant for Cadillac to go back to the international stage? Well, what was able to come together is, um, the platform of the car that we're racing. It's illegal to race both in IMSA in the U.S. and in the World Endurance Championship across the pond, which is where uh, the 24 Hours of Le Mans falls into that series. And that was a great opportunity for us to be able to have a platform where we could inject our own DNA into. We were able to put a lot of styling into the body that's Cadillac-specific. Uh, and then, of course, the engine is ours in the car as well. 
Um, you have that very identifiable Cadillac car going over. And then I think it was also time in terms of the brand. The brand's growing globally. Uh, it's getting into an exciting new electrified future. We have a hybrid in the race car, so we are using electric energy to power it as well. And it just was a nice moment to bring all that together and to be able to spread the word across the world about Cadillac and the great things that we're doing on the production side. So, so, uh, so when fans go there, uh, they not only see uh, these, these uh, incredible uh, prototype hypercar missiles uh, going down the main grandstand there at, at Le Mans, but there's also an activation there where, where folks can go and check out the latest Cadillac production cars. Yes, the, uh, we were really blessed to have a couple places at Le Mans where we had things on display, but we did bring over uh, a Lyric, uh, which we will be selling in Europe. So that was on display with one of our old prototypes from the early 2000s. Uh, and then as well as, you know, just having the race car on track and getting people interested in the brand is, is great for us and really gets people thinking and listening and looking for more information about what Cadillac is up to. Yeah. Yeah, I love that symmetry between production uh, and racing, and it's right there uh, at, at Le Mans that, that people can make that connection uh, between the race car and the production cars uh, that, that you have on display. Uh, you know, folks uh, who follow uh, racing in the States can also make a connection with the race car, with the, with the race teams that you had uh, running, uh, the, the Cadillac teams. You had uh, Ganassi, I think, running two cars, and... Um, and uh, Action Express running a third, is that correct? That is correct. And, and so uh, Ganassi, obviously well-known in the United States for their IndyCar uh, and NASCAR efforts. But, uh, yeah, talk about that process, Laura. I mean, this is a huge lift uh, for you guys to go over to Le Mans for the month of June. Um, how, how does that work? Well, there's a, a lot of people doing all different things to make sure that happens. It's a big logistical challenge to get all of the hardware and the humans that you need to to execute a solid race. So the plan started pretty much as soon as we decided to do the program. Uh, we knew that we would be bringing cars to Lamar. So, it's, you know, working out what do we need to know, what do we need to, you know, do, what's the timeline for all of these things to make sure that everything arrives on time and that everyone has what they need. And then the other piece to it was making sure that we were ready to compete in the WEC. So we have a full-season Cadillac that runs in the World Endurance Championship all year. Um, that team is one of the Chip Ganassi racing cars. We have their located over in Germany. And then the other Chip Ganassi cars located in Indianapolis. And so the team that is doing the full season is able to gather great information and share that back to the program so that all of our Cadillacs that arrived to Le Mans were ready to race and be competitive. Yeah, and, and, and they were very competitive uh, right out of the box. Uh, I mean, these, these are the biggest names in motorsport uh, that Cadillac is racing against over there. Ferrari uh, bringing in a hypercar uh, for the first time. First time they've been back in the prototype class for a long time. Same with Porsche. Uh, uh, Toyota, which has been a dominant manufacturer uh, in uh, in uh, international racing, yes, Toyota uh, was was sort of the team to beat uh, uh, last week, um, uh, last month, and in in, uh, in in Le Mans. So tremendous competition, and you guys were competitive uh, right out right out of the uh, box against uh, these other teams. 
Yes, we. Um, w- one of the things that we got to do that was really great is our season started in January. We raced the 24 hours of Daytona, and I think that was a great opportunity to really test our hardware and understand do we have any issues we need to address, do we have durable hardware. Well, the good news is, is all three of our cars in Daytona finished, and they finished strong. Um, they looked great. They looked like they could go out and run another 24-hour race after that one. So we knew the hardware was solid. And then really we've had from January to June to work on the softer side, making sure that we're maximizing the performance potential out of the cars and the drivers and the team, you know, working on all of those things. So I think it was, you know, knowing that we had good hardware and building off of that and trying to figure out, okay, now that we have it, how can we make it faster is what we focused on. And that's really what gave us that opportunity to be strong at Le Mans. There's uh, there's some, you know, there's some uh, controversy, Laura, in the, the, the regulations uh, between North America and, and uh, the WEC, the World Endurance Championship, aren't exactly the same. I think the uh, prototype cars that Toyota and Ferrari were slightly different. Were they all-wheel drive? How, how did you how did you see the the car the the, uh, the IMSA cars and the WEC cars matching up? They, there are there's two different platforms that race in the hypercar class over in WEC, and then um, for IMSA the GTP class, same class, but both the cars both platforms are eligible to race there. It's just at the moment there's only uh, the LMDH cars, which is what Cadillac and, and Porsche, Acura, and BMW all are. Um, the Ferrari and the Toyota are called LMH cars for a different platform, and yes, they do have the option to be all-wheel drive. Um, in the case of those two, they are. Uh, but there's been a lot of effort put forward to make sure that the two platforms are as equalized as possible. There's different rule sets for when they're able to use their four-wheel drive versus not. Um, we all are this, roughly the same mass. We have the same power levels, uh, same dimensions, same arrow window that we all have to fit into. So we've done, there's been a lot of work that's been put into making the cars as similar as possible so that they can still be different on how they find performance, but they can race together competitively. And um, I really appreciate, this has been a, a big lift from all the OEs that are participating, as well as the two sanctioning bodies, IMSA and the ACO, in figuring out how to make these cars race alongside each other for exciting racing. And I think at Le Mans, the fans definitely got exciting racing. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's, uh, that's obviously really important to the sport, is having parity so all these different brands can come together and race uh, competitively. Uh, Laura, uh, hang on. We're going to take a break here here from our advertisers. And on the other side, we're going to talk about Corvette, which had a huge weekend at Le Mans. Yes, Corvette was number one. You're on Car Radio, 910 a.m. Hello, we are Success Fragrance. We provide cologne, perfume, lotions, and diffusers. Our diffuser comes with your favorite cologne or perfume scent. Unlike other fragrances, Success Fragrances are all based with vitamin E, which means Success Fragrances scent lasts longer throughout a daytime. We will personalize your perfect fragrance. You can buy individual cologne, perfume, or lotion. In addition, you can buy a box package, which consists of our lotion, your fragrances, and a fragrance of your choice that's travel size, which is a gift. I purchased some Bugatti cologne and lotion. The smell lasted all day. We can be contacted at 586-563-5830 by way of text. And our website is successcounterpoint.com. And our motto is... One smell gets you hooked. Attention. Do you owe back taxes, fines, and penalties to the IRS? 
The IRS now offers new relief options for taxpayers affected by COVID-19. But you can't go it alone. Call Tax Solutions now. Our team of former IRS agents and tax professionals can get you the best deal. We know the COVID-19 rules. Call us and never speak to the IRS again. I couldn't sleep. We were being audited. I called Tax Solutions now and a great big weight was lifted off my shoulders. I called Tax Solutions now and they got the IRS off my back. Tax Solutions now had my wage garnishment lifted in 48 hours. The virus has caused the IRS to take extensive action to help taxpayers. So if you owe $10,000 or more, this is the best time in years to settle your tax debt. I qualified for the Fresh Start program. I paid less than I owed. Remember, the IRS will not give up until you pay. Call 800-683-9499. 800-683-9499. The all-new 910 Superstation is your number one source for urban talk radio. If you're looking for the best in radio programming, look no further. You can now listen in on a multitude of audio platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Buzzsprout, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Listen Notes, and coming soon to Amazon Music, Good Pods, and Overcast. 910 AM Superstation, the largest, strongest, 50,000-watt urban radio station in town. 910 AM Superstation has the greatest advertising deal ever with our Godfather package. 100 spots for $600 with a must-air-within-30-day policy, and we will even produce the spots free. That's right, free. Call Devin C. now at 248-357-4566. That's 248-357-4566. Or email at d.calhoun at thewordnetwork.org. This excludes political ads. Back into car radio, we are broadcasting live from Mostport Racetrack uh, today in Ontario, and we're talking with Laura Clouser, uh, who is the chief of GM Sports Car Racing Program. And uh, Laura, uh, we're talking uh, before the break about uh, Cadillac and how great it was to have uh, Cadillac back at the Le Mans 24 Hours this year. But you also had Corvette there, and Corvette is no stranger to Le Mans. In fact, I think uh, it, 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 coming into this year's race, it had won the GT class there eight times, and you guys uh, added another uh, victory this year. Yes, we did. We have now have claimed a Le Mans win, at least one Le Mans win with every generation of the race car. Yeah, that's, that's tremendous. And, and uh, you know, as as, as as fun, I think, as new as it is for Cadillac to be over there and, and to be uh, selling on the ground there in France. I mean, the, everybody knows uh, Corvette uh, at that race. It's uh, always, every year, it's one of the most formidable uh, teams. Uh, but this is a, this is also a bit of a transition year, wasn't it? I mean, this is the last, I want to say this is the last year for the GTE AM class. And then next year, you guys are bringing a new car to a new GT3 class. Yes, yeah, and this is it's like alphabet soup with uh, the GT platforms, but our, our current race car is, like you said, the GTE platform, which is designed to be, you know, the premier GT factory racing 
Uh, and as we move into next year, that platform is going away. Um, so there was other cars on that platform as well, not just the Corvette. And everyone is switching over to GT3, which is similar, but is designed more to be a customer racing platform. The cars are a little less complicated. Um, they're put together in a way that makes them a little more affordable and easier to work on. Uh, but all of the series that we're running, the GTE cars, are now switching to GT3. IMSA already made the switch last year. Uh, they allowed us a temporary uh, modification to our car to fit into the same performance windows, the GT3s, and that's what we've got over there. But in the WEC, we were still racing the car as we designed it, and that was the last year for this. Um, so to be able to finish out with a win um, was really exciting, especially claiming that for the C8R. And we're very excited about our GT3 car that launches next year, and we're planning on having eight cars running in 2024, which is huge for Corvette racing. Yeah, that's going to be awesome to see. And, and of course, Porsche is going to be there. Ford's going to be uh, racing a Mustang. So, yeah, Detroit is going to be there in force next year. This year, Laura, this was a nail-biter. I mean, you guys uh, qualified really well. Ben Keating uh, put the car on the pole and then uh, immediately ran into issues. And you guys spent most of that 24-hour race coming from behind. Yes. Um, yeah, just getting to the race itself was a little bit more excitement than we wanted. Uh, we had an issue during one of the practice sessions that required uh, some massive repairs to the car, and we were able to get Nikki Katzberg out with about three laps left in the first qualifying session that sets you up for hyperpole. He was able to get in the top eight uh, with his three laps, and then Keating during hyperpole put it on the pole, which was amazing. We start the race, and only a few laps in realize there's something wrong with the front of the car. They bring it in. They have to make a suspension adjustment, uh, but they only were down two laps with the repairs that they did. So they just kept trying. They kept their patient hat on, and they slowly worked it so that they were able to get back the two laps they lost. One of them they gained back with a safety car procedure. And then the other one was just really good driving and good strategy and excellent pit stops. So the whole team had to contribute to getting it back to the lead lap. And then once they were at the lead lap, uh, Nico Veroni, our silver, just really did a great job passing the other cars. And when he handed it off to Nikki to finish the race, his job was to just keep it in front and uh, to keep it clean. And he did he did that. So there was the win. And it felt like... Um, Felt like it was way longer than a 24-hour race by the time we finished. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of work. I mean, it's just uh, you know, it's a miracle to win a 24-hour race. There's so much goes on, and you got uh, four classes out there with all different speeds. Uh, Laura, congratulations! Uh, tremendous win, and uh, and and can't wait till you guys come racing here at uh, with Cadillac and Chevrolet next month. Thank you very much, and yes, we are looking forward to it. I, I hope uh, everyone's excited to see and hear the cars. They are quite uh, fabulous to listen to as well as watch. Yeah, yeah, it's great stuff. All right, so now for our last segment uh, today, we, uh, we're on we're on a bit of a late racing theme here, as you can tell, broadcasting from Mosport. So uh, for our last uh, segment... Uh, we're going to talk to Patrick Long, who is a uh, brand ambassador for Porsche. Porsche is also uh, in this prototype uh, series that we were just talking to Laura Clauser uh, about. Uh, Porsche, Cadillac, BMW, Ferrari, Toyota, Acura, just incredible uh, competition in this uh, series. 
Uh, it's all coming here to Mostport uh, next month. Uh, as uh, Laura previewed, and uh, uh, we'll go back into the archives a little bit and talk to Patrick Long, who was brand ambassador for Porsche. I sat down with him at the 24 Hours of Daytona earlier this year uh, where Porsche debuted their car with Team Penske. Uh, here's Patrick Long at Daytona. All right, this is Henry Payne with 910 AM, the Superstation down in uh, Daytona Beach, Florida. In late January, that means we're here for the Rolex 24. Good place to be. I'm joined by Patrick Long, who's North American brand ambassador for uh, Porsche and uh, and one of the uh, premier uh, uh, Porsche drivers uh, over the last 20 years. Patrick, how are you? Doing well. Good to be with you. Right, good to good to see you down here. So. Uh, a pretty exciting weekend. I mean, every 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 Rolex Twenty Four is cool, but uh, this one's pretty special. We got uh, last time Porsche and Penske got together was in your era. You were running the RS Spider. Here we are again with Porsche Penske racing a prototype uh, at the at Twenty Four Hours of Daytona. How'd that happen? Yeah, it's wild to think back to Porsche and Penske's alliance. I mean, all the way back to the RSR that ran, I think, the 50 years anniversary of um, the Brumos RSR winning this race overall in 73. And, and even then, Roger had a car uh, with Porsche, um, a 911. Um, this is a special year. I think it's a special race in sports car racing to kick off the season with, with the biggest sports car race in North America and one of the big three in the world. Uh, everybody wants that watch. They still hand out a watch for all class victors, drivers. Um, an amazing. You got a watch or two? I have one watch, a coveted 2009 victory in a Porsche 911, of course, and uh, probably my most prized trophy. Um, and and uh, with that, you get a lot of draw. The, this day and age, uh, international competition is is the theme, but also the spectacle and the fans and the spectators. I don't remember a Friday of the Rolex 24 in the last 20 years having this much energy. So I think it should be a great race tomorrow. Um, obviously, the debut of the Penske Porsche prototype is something of um, a, a long time coming. The, the 963, the evolution of, of the, the iconic 962. Um, this is a new generation uh, for overall prototype racing and sports cars around the world. Yeah, and, and he's out here with uh, formidable competition. You got Cadillac. Uh, it's been in this program for a while. Uh, uh, also running a hybrid. These are the first hybrid uh, prototypes uh, we've had. Complicated uh, beasts. That's part of the element here. We don't know what the reliability is going to be like. Got BMW in this field. Acura. Uh, very quick uh, uh, competition. How do you handicap the field? Well, it's interesting because. Hybrid technology in racing and in streetcars is is nothing new. Um, we're, we're used to it now. If you think about Formula One, they run a, a Kurs hybrid system, and in the beginning, people thought, "How is this going to change Formula One?" And Formula One has never seen the audience um, or the following that it has right now. So, technology isn't a bad thing. It's just something that you have to get your head around and understand the complications of how it all works. And then I think it, it, it's whether or not the racing is close. I don't care if you're combustion, electric, electric combustion. Um, people want to see 
exciting racing, door-to-door, uh, high intensity. And I think we're going to see that um, tomorrow in, in a few different classes. And I think there's going to be plenty of um, contact and accidents and yellow flags. And the mixed discipline of, of the Rolex 24, you've got drivers here from NASCAR, from IndyCar, from sports cars. It's a it's a real mixed bag. The, there's three, four drivers uh, with 62 cars. So do the math. There's a lot of drivers from all over um, different disciplines here. And I, I think that's a fun part of this race. But um, as far as t- tomorrow goes on the on the overall victory and who will be there Sunday at 1.30 when they award those watches, I don't know what to expect. It's been a bumpy um, preseason, if you will, um, for everybody getting up to speed. There's some um, common suppliers that are not uh, tied to the manufacturers that um, have admitted that this has been um, a, a tricky, trying um, evolution of a new formula. But I think once we get it refined, it's going to create a very close racing that's cost uh, controlled and it's globalized so you'll see these cars racing at the 24 hour of Le Mans as well and I think that those are important things not only for sustainability but also just um, to, to be easy to follow and really get behind as a spectator yeah it's, it's cool to think that these, these same cars now We are success breakers. We provide cologne perfume lotions and diffusers. Our diffuser comes with your favorite cologne or perfume scent. Unlike other fragrances, success fragrances are all based with vitamin E, which means success fragrances scents last longer throughout a daytime. We will personalize your perfect fragrance. You can buy individual cologne, perfume, or lotion. In addition, you can buy a box package, which consists of our lotion, your fragrances, and a fragrance of your choice that's travel size, which is a gift. I purchased some Gaudi cologne and lotion that smell lasting all day. We can be contacted at 586-563-5830 by way of text. And our website is successchemical.com. And our motto is... One smell gets you hooked. Did you know most vitamin supplements don't even come from food? Even the products with colorful fruits and vegetables adorning the labels are seldom derived from produce. Typically, supplements are synthetic, made in a laboratory. Modern science may synthetically imitate these chemicals, but your body isn't fooled. It knows the difference, and it craves quality materials to build, repair, and fight illness. You need to consume fruits and vegetables daily in a variety of colors, as well as whole grains and other fresh food. That's why I formulated Balance of Nature. I wanted to be able to give my patients a natural alternative to the cheap, unnatural chemistry by giving them real fruits and vegetables. In fact, the only ingredients inside of Balance of Nature are whole fruits and vegetables. Don't settle for imitation nutrition. Reach for the good stuff, the real stuff. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com to get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code RADIO5. Do you have an idea for an invention or new product? Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Then call InventHelp now. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential and explains every step of the invention process. We create professional materials representing your idea and submit it to companies who are looking for new ideas. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to 
review ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We also offer services including 3D modeling and animation demonstrating your idea, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to show InventHelp client ideas to additional companies. Join the thousands of people just like you who chose InventHelp to pursue their idea. We are experienced. We are working for you. We are InventHelp. Call us for free information at 1-800-460-1663. That's 1-800-460-1663. Again, 1-800-460-1663. Cool to think that these, these same cars now can race across the world. Uh, no longer do you have different FIA and uh, IMSA specs, and, and uh, this 24-hour race in Daytona is a stepping stone. I mean, ultimately, Penske wants to win, win Le Mans, uh, one of the bucket list items he's never uh, won. A huge field here, 61 cars. Um, a lot of those cars are, are GTD cars. It's interesting hearing you talk about GT racing now as, as basically an all-out sprint uh, for, for 20 24 hours. Um, what, what is that like in, in a car? I mean, you, you've got to balance endurance with speed. Yeah, I mean, if you liken it to uh, going for a jog versus sprinting, um, now we sprint for 24 hours. It is no longer like uh, when to push or how to conserve your equipment or um, it, it, other than um, some fuel saving strategy um, and, and making your tire allocation last because you don't just have an unlimited amount of tires. Um, the driver gets behind the wheel, and every shift is a red line shift. Every time you hit the brakes, it's the latest breaker wins. Um, it's it's crazy how much technology has allowed the drivers to lean to the tenth tenth of everything in the in there. And of course, that takes a lot more mental and physical um, energy from the drivers, from the crew members, from everybody. It's just a pressurized world. And I think that when you think of of racing and what racing is about, and the and the track to street technology. There is performance. Of course, we know that performance and creating cars that have paddle shifting and ABS, a lot of that's been developed on the racetrack, but efficiency is also a huge part of the why behind motorsport. And yeah, we, we, we've been open. We want cars that you can hammer um, on a racetrack and then drive home um, that night and go to work on Monday morning. And Porsche has always been an industry leader since the beginning of the foundations of the company in 1948. Uh, lightweight, agile, efficient, um, easy on the brakes, easy on the tires, make your speed in the corners. And now it's kind of the standard in motorsport that you have to be um, reliable efficient and fast and it's just uh it's fun to watch i am no longer a full-time professional driver but i still have the excitement and the focus and the dedication to the sport and um in many ways i'm able to enjoy it even more these days uh, you mentioned uh how many different types of drivers there are out here um you got you got uh, headliners like uh, scott mclaughlin and joseph newgarden running a p2 car you have scott dixon another indycar guy who's in a Cadillac prototype. Why does this race attract such variety? We've had uh, Jeff Gordon raced here in the 24-hour one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've shared the track here with all kinds of stars. I mean, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Tony Stewart, um, you know, Formula One heroes of mine, you know, Mika Salo, uh, Juan Montoya. I think 
it's sort of preseason for a lot of racing championships around the world that usually start in the spring, um, Q2, sometimes even Q3. Um, so there's a little bit of time. Um, people come out of the holidays and uh, want to go racing. And everybody wants to win the Rolex Daytona. It's an iconic designed watch. It's a watch that's hard to come by. But there aren't many trophies in sport that you can wear. It's kind of like a Super Bowl ring for sports car racers. And with that, you get all walks of life and discipline. And um, in many ways, over the years, I think about the last two decades racing here and, and the, the heroes from different types of disciplines of motorsport. Um, it's kind of our race of champions. The, it's also attracting an enormous variety of manufacturers now. I mean, there's 17 manufacturers here. I've, I've never never seen that in in, uh, in uh, you know modern history, maybe ever. Uh, at Daytona, why is that? We've, we've have, I just came from a press conference where Corvette announced the GT3 car. So you're going to have one more customer car in the GTD field. Why now? Why this huge attraction of manufacturers? I think it's a, a subjective question. I mean, the, the relevance of of street-to-track, track-to-street technology, obviously the marketing um, for some manufacturers who are maybe newer and haven't been around for um, a century, um, have to tell their story. They have to build their fan base, and they need to learn um, how to design a car that's slippery um, and not just horsepower, not just brakes, not just gearboxes, but... I can tell you from a consumer standpoint, if I went to Australia to race V8 supercars and I knew little about Australia, had never been there before and I really didn't know about their product and I was racing a four-door daily driver, middle range commuter car, but it was built to the hill and it was an awesome race car and the way that I looked at the street car on Monday after spending a whole week driving that car. Now I saw a race car, even though I saw the, I was looking at a, a plain white guy driving to his office, um, you know, a plain white car and a guy driving to his office. I could see a race car. Um, I can imagine a race car on that platform of a, just a, a normal commuter car. So there is a huge amount of marketing in, in, in this. And I think all of it is about sport. I mean, you can throw a car logo on a stick and ball sport jersey and advertise, um, put a billboard up on the side of the freeway, or you can go racing and test your product against um, the world's uh, manufacturers. And it's pretty pretty big bragging rights. I think there's a lot of uh, technology uh, rolling laboratory um, and everything in between. Um, when I think about the first time I drove a hybrid uh, race car, I tried to explain to people that this was no um, uh, excuse to get in the fast lane with a, a special sticker. I mean, this car, the, the the linear power delivery of electricity was, like, shocking to me. And, again, this is more than a decade ago. Um, and the ability to do things like torque vectoring, where you're changing uh, the ratio of power from left to right to help turn the car or to slow down the rotation of the car so that it wasn't so nervous, all of that was so eye-opening to me as a driver and now most of those principles are standard in cars that I drive a decade later so there really is a lot to be learned um, especially with alternative fuels electricity um, and everything in between and and I love that there's a purpose to this it's not just advertising yeah 
yeah, when you're hammering something at 8,000 RPM for 24 hours, you, you learn a lot. Uh, last question for you. Roger Penske in the, in the winner's circle on Sunday? Oh, it'd sure be an amazing story. Um, you know, working with RP, uh, Mr. Penske, um, he's just a racer through and through. He's a businessman, but he's a racer. I mean, when, when, when we talk, we, we catch up, you know, on the fly, how's family, how's business, but it's like, all right, we gotta win this race. You know, that's really what RP likes to talk about is winning. And I love the competition aspect of his, um, genetic makeup and uh i'll be cheering for him uh he's sure done a lot for this sport uh he's told a, a really great story with so many manufacturers but especially with porsche if you think back to those days um in the early 70s uh, already racing porsches um of course the 917 um era the Sunoco car and, and him and Mark Donahue, um, all the way up to, you know, waking up in the 80s as a, a kid born in the early 80s and, and watching him and his drivers at the Indianapolis 500. Um, it's a pretty uh, special uh, legacy that, that he's um, produced, and I don't think he has anything to live up to. Um, I just I just think there'll be a lot of people cheering for him, but, man, it's going to be a tough race to win. Yeah, that's quite a career. Patrick Long, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Juneteenth celebration on June 17th from noon to 6 p.m. at Grand River in Livernois. And believe us when we say you won't want to miss it. There are going to be tons of family-friendly activities. We're talking face painting, bounce houses, hustle lessons, bingo, spades, food trucks, and much more. But that's not all. They've got a DJ and live performances by the Omawale dancers, Amor Shanae, and 313, the live experience. Don't wait. Grab your free ticket today at www.daybodetroitinc.com. Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule. Changing the world one life at a time. I had no energy. For months and months and months, I had no energy, and I'm a very active person. And my husband was noticing that I was tired all the time, and I was slow at everything that I was doing. And I kept listening to the commercials, and, you know, you don't know if something's going to help you or not. But I decided this was something I was going to do. And lo and behold, in about four days to taking them, I was repotting plants. I was doing other things. My husband said to me, you